and welcome to the Sorbet Mesa podcast with me, your host, Alan McGuire. Today is Monday, the 12th of October 2020, and it's a bank holiday in this country because it's the day of the Spanish or National Spain Day or Dia de Espanidad. So it's a day of celebration of all things Spanish. Last week, the week got off to a bit of a rough start here in Spain. Pedro Sanchez gave his speech on Monday regarding the budget. So the money that's um, going to be pumped into the country to try and revive the economy, but also try and change the the very structure of the country. Uh, The amount of money being put in by the EU is huge and it has to be invested over the next six years. And Sanchez's speech was regarding the next three, creating masses of jobs and also funding various things like um, electric cars and daycare centre places for children. However, within an hour, the... Uh, the, a judge um, announced that he was referring um, Pablo Iglesias, the, one of the vice presidents, to the Supreme Court to be investigated regarding the Nadina case. I have an interview with Tommy Green, a political journalist, um, at the end of this podcast, who he's, and he's going to explain this case, what it means, and the wider context that it's within. So I hope you'll stick around for that very insightful interview. Later on during the week, the jousting between the regional PP government uh, of Isabel Ayusa in Madrid and Pedro Sanchez's central coalition government came to to its final end, hopefully. Uh, So on Thursday, a high court in Madrid uh, throughout the central government's law, where they, they had been confining the city for around a few days, uh, they threw it out and said it wasn't legally binding. Uh, and within 24 hours, um, madrileños were reconfined. So this is a three-day weekend. Many people in Madrid have second residence, um, or their parents still live in the pueblos out in the... Um, the rural, more rural parts of Spain or in other parts of Spain. And normally on a three-day weekend, normally referred to as a Puente weekend, uh, people will go leave the centre of Madrid and, and go and see their family or go and spend some time at the beach or in their second residence. So um, with this approach in the central government had really uh, to do something about this because the infection rate in Madrid is through the roof. If it was any other country, um, then most things would probably be shut. You can hear more about that with my interview with um, with Simon Hunter, the editor of El Pais, where we were talking about that last week, uh, about the awful management from the central, uh, but from the regional Madrid government. So the central government effectively stepped in. They gave uh, the regional government three options. Either you ask for a state of alarm, you pass your own law because they can do that. They can pass their own health law and, and confine citizens and shut bars and things. Or we'll do it for you. We will put the state of alarm on you. So uh, Isabella Ayuso said, I need more time, even though this jousting has been going on for weeks. Uh, and the central government ended up putting a state of alarm around, I think it was around 3.30 in the afternoon. There was 
traffic jams of people trying to get out of Madrid and police fining people for trying to leave um, and sending them back. Um, and within that 24 hours, the, the Madrileños had their um, freedom of movement around the country given back to them by the High Court. Apparently, reservations and bookings searches on the internet went through the roof in the region. Now we are all confined to our small city. So if you're like me, you live in a commute town, Leganes, then you're not allowed to leave Leganes. If you live in the centre, then you can you can walk around the centre, but you can't come out to uh, any other areas. So going to Ikea for the weekend is, is off the table. Compared to other regions, so Catalonia and Navarra, uh, both have rising uh, infection rates. Uh, they've decided to pass a health bill that will confine citizens. Um, some of them are shutting bars. I don't... Um, and the final details are yet to be finalised, but they are doing it without having the central government impose the state of alarm on them. And the government have said that this was a measure just for Madrid to protect Madrileño's health um, and obviously the rest of the country, because if, if Madrileños were allowed to leave this weekend, many of them might not even come back and probably stay out there whilst um, Madrid was confined. But if they hadn't been stopped on the Friday, then uh, the R rate could have gone up even further. Um, this has really annoyed a lot of people on, on, def on different wings of the political spectrum, but no more so than... Vox leader Santiago Abascal. So normally on on the 12th of October, there's a huge military parade with lots of flag waving through the centre of Madrid. Uh, it's attended by the king, by the military, and there's flyovers of planes, tanks. It's like a, um, it's but it's not as grand as it sounds. It's like a, a it's probably a lot smaller than the ones that they have in North Korea. Um, and, and this was basically cancelled because of COVID. Um, they're having a much smaller version at the palace. Um, and then they're having something separate for the military and for the people fighting COVID elsewhere. And members of the government are going. They even made a big thing about members of Podemos going. Um, and so Abascal has organised this another car protest. So if you remember several months ago, there was a huge car protest where people got in their cars went protesting through Madrid um, against the, the national state of alarm. They're doing the same again for the Madrid state of alarm, often referring to Pedro Sanchez as a dictator, um, amongst other things that are probably too rude to say on this podcast. Uh, the, on the other side of the, the spectrum, uh, they released a poll today, which was um, regarding whether there should be a referendum on the monarchy. So as you know, the monarchy has been very, very uh, heavily criticised lately due to the the past king, Juan Carlos, the current king's father, um, dodgy dealings with, with Saudi um, royalty and businessmen. And with the social division that exists within the country, I don't think it's ever been more pronounced, but there's always been a heavily pro-Republican movement in Spain there has been two republics already uh, and in this so it was 60 a group of 16 newspapers got together they asked the government run pollster CIS to run a 
uh, poll and they refused. They haven't done one for five years. So they decided to pay for their own one. They got th over a thousand donors to donate to this poll and they, they polled 3,000 random Spaniards. 47% uh, said they wanted a referendum, 36% said they were completely against it, and the rest were a bit indifferent. Um, the unsurprising thing is many people that identify as left-wing said, yes, we want a republic, and many people that said uh, were on the right wing uh, said, no, we, we, we don't want a republic, we want a monarchy. But the overall, so looking at the general population, it was 40% for a republic, 34% for the monarchy, 24% undecided, don't know, or wouldn't vote. So it's those 24% that would sway the result. And in terms of age, it was uh, the young came out in favour of a republic. Um, and in the age brackets between 18 and 24, uh, it was reaching over 50%. And in the over 55s, they were pro-monarchy. Um, I'm sure you can find that poll online in mix for interest in reading. So initially I was going to have two guests on the Sorbonne Mesa podcast this week. However, when I put the, the two interviews and my intros together, it came over an hour and a half long. So I'm going to cut it in half and give you the a separate episode next week. That episode will be on healthcare professionals in Spain, where I interview an old friend um, who's a doctor who lived abroad and came back to Spain and we're going to discuss the uh, why this this has happened uh, all these Spanish prof healthcare professionals going abroad all those years ago and what what needs to happen to bring them back um, but also uh, I'll be explaining why the medical professionals specifically the doctors union might be going on strike in weeks to come this week for you I have Tommy Green, who's going to be exploring the Dina case, which was, um, so this is the thing that I mentioned earlier, where it was announced an hour after um, Pedro Sanchez's uh, budget speech that Pablo Iglesias would, could possibly be investigated by the Supreme Court. The, the judge, a judge has requested this from the Supreme Court. Um, so here is my interview with Tommy Green. And I hope you enjoy it. Today with me on Sobre Mesa, I have Tommy Green. He's a political journalist who's been published in Jacobin, Tribune, Open Democracy and The Independent. Welcome to Sobre Mesa, Tommy. Thanks very much for having me, Alan. And today we're going to delve into the Dina case. This case related to Pablo Iglesias, the vice president, was uh, announced within an hour um, of... Pedro Sanchez's Prime Minister's uh, speech where he set out plans for the spending of the EU money. Um, if you want to hear a bit more about the the build-up to the EU funds, we have an episode on it, one of Sobremesa's first episodes, so you can take a look at that and look at the drama that built up towards the EU agreeing to this fund. Uh, it's a lot of money going into the country, promising to create a lot of jobs, and within an hour... Uh, this announcement about this, uh, a judge asking the Supreme Court to investigate uh, Pablo Iglesias came up with an hour and completely wiped Pedro Sanchez's speech off the front of the newspapers and, and the media cycle and took over for the rest of the week. 
um, up until and, until the news came that um, that Madrid was being put under a state of alarm. So this is quite a big news topic. It's also quite a complex one, uh, one that have a lot of Spaniards are even racking their heads about. So um, hopefully Tommy is going to help me unpick it a bit and find out what it's all about. So Tommy, um, what is the Dina case? When did it start? And what is Pablo Iglesias accused of? Okay, so um, right, so the the Dina case, the so-called Dina case, um, centers around uh, Dina Busselham, who's a political scientist, um, former assistant to uh, Podemos leader and deputy prime minister uh, Pablo Iglesias. So basically, the case goes back in in a sense to last year. Um, when it was disclosed that the uh, presiding judge in a trial of a separate um, of, of a, a separate trial of a former police commissioner um, had opened an investigation into the 2015 theft of her mobile phone, so she um, was uh, I think charging charging her mobile phone um, in the IKEA of uh, in a place called Alcorcon, which is like a sort of commuter town about mm. half an hour from Madrid. Um, and basically, it is, it's alleged that a, an interior ministry official, I think, um, under the instruction of um, a former police commissioner, Jose Manuel Villarejo, um, basically stole the phone. Um, and um, yes, as I say, like a, there's kind of a separate investigation into that. And this, in a sense, the Dina case kind of formed part of this larger case, which is the, the Villarejo case, which stretches back um about two decades what, what ended up happening was the um the contents i guess of the um sim card in in this in this phone or the memory card um were after after the, the phone was stolen were essentially leaked to the press um and a, a series of damaging stories about for must basically emerge one basically sent uh, basically being about pablo iglesias uh, making kind of offhand uh, sexist remarks about a, a Spanish uh, journalist, a TV presenter in one of the private chats. So basically, um, he was essentially handed the uh, the memory card by a media proprietor, Pablo Iglesias, it was in January 2016. Um, he says he held on to it for a few months to protect um, his colleagues, I suppose, from further negative press. Um, and what's happened this week, essentially, is that... Um, the accusations sort of at the heart of the Dina case have been flipped and sort of directed against Iglesias. Um, so uh, a judge at the Audiencia Nacional, which is the highest criminal court in Spain, uh, a judge called Manuel García Castellón, um, has written to the Spanish Supreme Court requesting it investigate Iglesias' role or his actions uh, within the longer running Dina case. So um, I suppose to kind of to put that slightly differently, um, a case in which, you know, he he was considered previously to be one of the victims or injured parties had the, the, the by the, the request of this judge is essentially to turn that on its head and to uh and to hold an inquiry into into um into pablo iglesias's um, actions i guess with a with a you know with a view to potentially pressing pressing criminal charges so specifically he's accused of offenses of discovering and revealing secrets filing a false crime report and of damaging the phone's memory card yeah um it's it's pretty incredible i mean 
if you you know in, in a lot of respects i mean one other thing is important to note about um about this particular judge manuel garcia casajan is actually that he um also um attempted to rescind iglesias's um injured party status um in uh the broader case and that was actually overturned i think by the supreme court several weeks ago mm. so um Yes, uh, there are a lot of <laughs> there are a lot of different kind of branches to this, um, but uh, essentially, it, as I say, it's it's the, I think the best way to kind of to think about it is is of it being a, a branch of this longer running um, longer running investigation uh, into um, Jose Manuel Villarejo, um, mm. disgraced former police uh, commissioner, mm-hmm. um, who's basically accused of a whole raft of of uh of things including yeah blackmail um surveillance espionage extortion mm. um, which i guess we'll, we'll we'll go on to and unpick a bit later mm. uh so and and this is where i think i'm not sure like the reason it's gone to the supreme court is because he's a politician it's the only court he can be prosecuted and is that right like he can he can't be, I think he can only be prosecuted in certain courts. Yeah, because of the the privilege, parliamentary privilege laws. I mm. think that's correct, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so essentially he's gone from being, yeah, the the, well, the victim of, of these leaks. Um, One of the victims, yeah. Yeah, to, to being accused of uh, essentially keeping this um, SIM card in, in his pocket away. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah that they're, they're they're sort of they're they're alleging that he he that his holding on to it for this period of time was potentially criminal, um, as well as I think there some suggestion has been made also of whether he tam- you know sought to destroy it or tamper with it, but um, I'm not sure there is actually any evidence of the SIM card actually being damaged, um, but. Um, I know that that has been a, su- a suggestion in, in this as well. Yeah, and they sent it. I didn't. I think I saw they sent it to Wales to be to see if information can be retrieved, and then right, okay. And, and then they, there was a report that um, that it's like it that it was fine when it got there, essentially. Okay. Um, right. But uh, so the the bigger case. Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. going back to the the leak though, um, mm-hmm. it was. Uh, okay diario that were part of yeah. of this um they were they were the paper that that um yeah published the screenshots i think mm. um are they how important are they in this case yeah well really i mean certainly in in the um the broader viarejo um case they are really uh eduardo winda who's the founder of okay diario as well as the publication itself you know, he really is. You know, he really is a, a key actor in all of this. He was sort of described sometimes as the kind of middleman um, in some of these stories. Um, so um, a number of uh, of leaks, I guess, that have been that have that seem to have come from uh, Villarejo or his um, his team. So he formed part of something called the they called themselves the Patriotic Brigade, and they were essentially made up of a I suppose a, a number of um, police chiefs and um, or now former police chiefs, and then um, officials in the uh, interior ministry. Uh-huh. Um, often, often, you know, information that they had retrieved via these spying operations, um, or in some cases, it seems 
fabricated or at least in part fabricated mm. have been um have been reported by by uh eduardo winda's um publication okay diario which is a, a digital newspaper that was set up i think in 2015 so in India before that had been an editor at um, El Mundo and at um, Marca as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, in terms of in terms of how to actually um, sort of characterize or kind of situate them, I mean, I think they for a British audience in any way, I think, you know, they the way they operate is something similar, I guess, to the Guido Fawkes blog um, uh -huh. in a way. So it's um, there's a lot of mudslinging involves in their coverage and a lot of sort of um exclusive scoops uh -huh. um sort of scandalous ex inverted commas exclusive scoops usually related to political figures or to uh, -huh. uh celebrities um and uh, they have published a number of um i suppose of exclusives kind of uh, alleging um you know illegal financing of podemos um yeah. as well as yeah um and i, I mean really <sighs> this kind of the claim that's been filed this week you know you kind of have to in, in a sense even though it hasn't just been uh, reported on by okay diario you have to kind of put it into context in, in the context of these previous stories and these and previous legal claims i think there's something like 14 claims about podemos's uh, criminal claims mainly around their financing have now been uh, filed and uh, none of them have been upheld and they've all been thrown out um yeah so um that's yeah so that that's something to be kind of mindful of in all this mm. i think something else is also you know even just in terms of the nature of these stories often often for like a more more established newspapers uh, or more established media outlets it would be very difficult to um report on some of the leaks that have kind of that seem to have come from from Villarejo and his team um or from the patriotic brigade down the years but I suppose the way that okay dr when i say that kind of he functions uh, that edward eduardo Endo functions as a middleman in a way his uh or his, his publications um their, their decisions their editorial decisions i suppose to publish some of this material you know which in some cases has lacked um you know um authentication has lacked uh dates as lack signatures as nobody no no officials ever taken responsibility for them uh -huh. once once they've been published by us by an outlet like okay diario um a more established newspaper is is subsequently able to go and, and report on the controversy whipped up by the report itself yeah so you know obviously they, they wouldn't be able to without facing some form of legal action they wouldn't be able to publish some of these other leaks mm. um but wouldn't once a, a publication like okay diario has put it out there it's in the public domain it then that then becomes the story that generates uh further um coverage and kind of drives the media cycle and i mean a bit like this week as you said you know um it, it probably isn't accidental that that this uh came to light um on the same day that the recuperate the covid recuperation plan was uh, was unveiled um and obviously it's it's driven the news cycle in a in a in a in a completely different direction for the subsequent 48 hours or so mm, yeah i wanted to go on to that a bit more in a minute but i just mm. wanted to ask a bit more about um you know this patriotic brigade i mean mm -hmm. they um this is really i think a like a big clash um with podemos uh mm. in a sense because 
Podemos have often talked about the political caste, the yeah. the sewers of the state, the dark. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there is a history of it, a quite a clear history of it uh, mm. in Spanish history with Gal and, you know, all these sorts of things. Uh, and there's lots coming out now about, um, you know, even connected to Assange and, uh, you know, lots of things that were apparently happening during the Rajoy era, which, you know, I don't want to comment on unless, unless they've mm. been proven guilty in a, in a court. But there's lots of, um, you know, there's lots of information out there in 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 very mainstream newspapers like El País about, you know, the, the accusations of what the Rajoy government was doing in things. Yeah. But but they Podemos were really targeted by um by mm. these patriot brigade. Is that right? Uh yeah. So um I don't think they were the only targets, but um certainly when they uh I suppose when they when they came on the scene and, and uh when, when you know when they really began to look like they could become a you know uh, the, when they began to top polls and look like they could form part of a future government um they the, the patriotic brigade really did begin to step up its um its efforts and i mean obviously as as, as i just mentioned before i guess that the timing with these things are is often strategic um so um I think when for, I think even to go back to the Dina case, I think the when the contents of this uh, stolen mobile phone were were published, I think that was during the initial negotiations between um, Podemos and Pessoa in 2016, um, with a view to forming a, a progressive coalition or a left wing government, um, which obviously, as we as we now know, um, those negotiations broke down. So um, I think. They really, I think, I think it's fair to say that they really stepped up their efforts um, during that quite critical period. Mm. Um, but also, I mean, it isn't Podemos haven't been the only, only targets um, of the so-called patriotic brigade. I mean, um, I know a number of, uh, I know the number of uh, Catalan independentist uh, and other regional independentist groups have also been targeted. Right. So, I think um, it was alleged that the former mayor of Barcelona. Um, basically had stashed away something like 14 million euro in uh, Swiss uh, accounts. And I think that was later found to have been, um, yeah, Xavier Trias. Um, I think that was later found to have been, um, to have been false. Um, right. The debate, the, 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 those allegations were found to have been, to have had no merit or, or no grounding. Um, so yes, um, I think yes, Podemos have been a have been a big target, but of of the Patriot Brigade, but not the only, not the only mm -hmm. target. And and I mean, I think another thing, you know, yeah, as you say, like you know, uh, there have been lots of revelations about the degree of complicity um, of various figures within the Rajoy government with the operations of the Patriot Brigade. I mean, even I think a couple of weeks ago, I think um, Soraya Sáenz de Santa Maria, the former Deputy Prime Minister, was. It was disclosed that she had, um, she had basically facilitated some of the spying operations by um, planting mics, I think, in the Congress and another, um, wow. you know, as as you know, as 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 part of the as part of Yerechos, um yes, yeah, surveillance guess opera operation. Um, these, I just think, you know, th these are incredible, um, incredible uh, allegations and mm -hmm. uh, or disclosures, and I can't think of anything. 
I can't think of anything similar or I can't think of any equivalent case in Western Europe just off the top of my head. No. Um, I think as you say as well, you know, um, in terms of there being a, um, a sort of an inherited political culture um, from the dictatorship years, um, I think, you know, uh, stories like this do certainly, or revelations like this do certainly point to um to 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 an inherited kind of culture of of a uh, um i guess you know of secrecy and of uh yeah corruption and and, and yeah corruption yeah arguably yeah. Yeah, as well um yeah um and various and various other um mm. you know um various other sort of uh, failures to meet basic uh, democratic norms and like so this week a couple of uh so mo- uh Juan Carlos Monadero is one. There's mm. been a few other people in the past that have mentioned like lawfare. So yeah. lawfare is is the mix of the words law and warfare. A lot of people associate it with Latin America. And how does lawfare like why are people mentioning it? Like what is it as well? How does it fit into the the Sp- to the Spanish sort of current affairs now? Yeah. So yeah, lawfare as you say is kind of as a portmanteau. Um, word and, and term um yeah so essentially um obviously yeah, you, you spoke a bit about latin america like um uh one of the most commonly cited examples of, of lawfare is is um is uh was the imprisonment of uh, the former uh, brazilian president uh luis inafio lula da silva or more normally just referred to as as lula he was finally released last october after being in prison for almost two years um and the um the judge who who sentenced him um was uh was following on from the sentence was named justice minister by uh far right um current president of brazil bolsonaro which suggested obviously political motivations Mm. which suggested political motivations behind the sentencing in the first place basically lawfare is that is kind of like the, the most extreme end um it doesn't always necessarily have to uh Result in, in imprisonment um, or, or criminal um, a criminal conviction, it can simply be the uh, tying up of of, uh, of of opponents um, of political opponents um, with uh, with with legal claims uh, and accusations, which of course once they are filed, you have to regardless of their the the, the you know the the nature of the allegations or the evidence. Um, you have to defend, um, and so you know even it can it can simply be as it sometimes appears to have been the case with Podemos something to kind of win a short or medium term uh, PR war. It can something it's something which you know drives is is, is um, the intention behind which is, is to drive the media cycle. Um, I mean. I think as well, like just to, to obviously to sort of look at the Spanish context um, in particular, I think given that obviously um, the, uh, you know, what, what, what brought Pedro Sanchez, the current prime minister to office was a no confidence motion that came on the back of, I think the, at, the, at that time it was the, the, probably still is, I think the biggest ever corruption probe, um, political corruption probe carried on Spain ever in, in which the, Pepe's um, or the Partido Popular's um, party treasurer, treasurer was convicted. And I think um, 
I think was convicted about 30, 30 received like a, a jail sentence about 30 years. The, the series of corruption scandals that have blighted, that have hit the Pepe over the last decade has knocked, you know, has basically knocked out a, a number of, of its, of its high ranking, of its leading figures, of its stalwarts. There's, a, there's a, quite a famous photograph from uh, around the time Rajoy was prime minister. Um, and a lot of the people in that photograph, whether it's Rajoy himself or whether it's people like Hospital, uh, Esperanza Aguirre, the former um, regional premier of Madrid, um, a lot of these people are not in, in the political frame anymore, either because they have been um, they have been convicted or they have been forced to step down from public life as a result of these um, as a result of these corruption charges, which mm. have in in, in a number of cases being upheld. So do you think in terms of the, what's the strategy behind some of these um, claims against Podemos, as I say, you know, up, up to this point, none of them I think have been upheld. Um, certainly you know, the illegal financing ones have been. Um, it is, I think, to, it is, I think, to create a kind of an impression of, you know, that a, a, a sort of a, a disillusionment or a disenchantment with the political class rather than, mm putting the problem of whether it's say corruption or, or any of these other alleged uh, criminal activities, putting it solely, you know, in, in the basket of the Spanish right or the Pepe, it's something mm. that they're looking to generalize and to relativize, right. I guess. Um, yeah. yeah to like create, they're as bad as us sort of thing. Like, yeah. Essentially. Yeah. 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 Or, you know, the idea that all politicians are, you know, fundamentally corrupt somehow or all somehow on the take, um, you know, um, it's a much, uh, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a very different kind of example. But I think um, in 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 the UK, for instance, you know, the uh, the expenses scandal um, had a had a had an effect of kind of creating a um, a sense of disillusionment and cynicism uh, with the political class because mm. there was this impression that you know, no matter which party you belong to um, or, or which slogan you ran under, you know, you were part, you you know, you were on the take basically. Mm. You were um, you were you were you were you were whatever t- taking from the public purse or or whatever yeah. the, the implications are and i mean so i think that's part i think that is part of it obviously as well you know the you know the coalition is governing at a at a time of of of, of national crisis um mm. or international crisis as it were with 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 the pandemic the effect of of, of some of these of some of this coverage is also to stop it from gaining any momentum I think maybe another thing just to add very briefly is, um, you know, um, just even in terms of the uh, the allegations that obviously have, have been filed this week um, or the recommendations for an inquiry. I mean, I think a, f- um, a former lawyer and uh, the, uh, she's like the government delegate uh, against uh, gender violence, I think she basically kind of pointed up some of the sort of inconsistencies or the um some of the holes in 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 the claim itself which is that and i think this is actually quite important um and in, in, in also explaining the timing as well dina Busselham can't actually comment on any of this because she is um she's you know the the the, the longer running case is is, mm. is you know they're, they're, they're ongoing proceedings so she can't actually she can't comment for you know prejudice reasons etc yeah um so one thing that this this former um this former um judge and uh, government delegate basically pointed up is i think for the um 
revelation of secrets charge um basically i think for that to kind of hold water legally i might be wrong in this but i think for it to hold water um dina busilham or the the victim of the uh revelation of information would have to actually file a claim herself or would have to test you know um and that obviously hasn't happened so i mean we'll obviously you know we'll, we'll wait a few weeks and see and see what it said but um it would you know if if it is um if it is if if the, if, if the recommendation or if the, the the request is thrown out um it would just be another of a of a of a, of a number of uh of similar claims that have been filed against podemos you know um mm. in in recent in recent years which have ultimately not being upheld um yeah it seems like the complexity of this case seems to like uh lend itself to to just smears really uh and like bad pr towards 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 pablo Inglés. i mean if you see the vice president of of a country in the leaving the courts on the stairs of the courts or having to make a statement about it that mm. just feeds like you were saying like with this sort of image of they're all as bad as one another really yeah well this is it i mean um i said yeah i mean you know i think i think it is it is it is fair to describe some of these some of these the claims that have been filed against Panamas as being part of a smear campaign um and yeah you're right i mean the, the intent behind it is 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 really to create uh an impression more than anything else as you say like it it, it begins to you know what the the uh, a single a single claim that gets thrown out is not something that I suppose is going to do great damage to a to an individual or to an organization in the longer run. But um, if if these claims begin to build up and the impression an impression begins to build of a of of whether it's Pablo Iglesias, Podemos, or, or whoever, um, constantly being uh, in the media spotlights, having to defend. To defend uh, claims or allegations of criminality that are being uh, brought against, brought against them, then of course that is going to sort of seep down um, in terms of uh, and, and have a knock-on effect in terms of public opinion. It's going to, and as you say, it's going to, you know, it was it, it was undeniably one of the. There were several factors, obviously, that 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 sort of uh, contributed to the initial sheen of Podemos wearing off. Mm. Um, and they weren't all external ones. Some of them were obviously um, were internal factors. But um, yeah. it certainly, um, as you know, as you say, it it, it certainly ha- all helps to create this kind of um, this more generalized impression uh, that um, you know, basically, you know, all politicians are as, are as bad as each other, and mm. um, uh, you know, um, to create a kind of a uh, I suppose like an, an, to, to foster anti-political sentiment, I guess, in that way. Um, and and is this connected in any way to the like this story that the PP don't want to renew certain institutions? So like some of them are. Uh, I mean, it's normally part of the democratic norm in Spain that these institutions are renewed every so many years, and it goes from yeah. like the head of the like the RTV, which is like the national um, broadcaster, but mm-hmm. also uh, the main important one is the um, judiciary administration. So the, like the people that oversee the, the yeah. judiciary. Are these, um, like the reason the people are holding it up is because they need more than the majority 
that it's like 200 seats or 220 seats, I think, in in Congress to, to renew these things. And the PP have basically said to Pandra Sanchez, we're not renewing them unless you kick Podemos out of the coalition government, um, yeah. which obviously would bring down the coalition because they mm. need sort of Podemos's seats, really. Uh, but is yeah. this in any way related to the Dina case? I mean, I don't think that's yes and no. I mean, I, I think um, I don't think they're causally related. Um, in right. that I, I don't think the one thing has provoked the other necessarily. And obviously, as as I've as, as I think I've tried tried to explain, um, um, the the Dina case and or the latest developments within the Dina case obviously form part of a longer running um, a longer running investigation or a longer running phenomenon. Um, what I would say, though, is in terms of there being a connection, I would say both cases point to um, a certain uh, worldview or a certain attitude on the part of the Spanish rice, which is one of um, of, uh, of patronage, I suppose. Um, you know, they 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 simply you know they simply do not want to relinquish um, the composition of of the judiciary and and the, and the renewal um, or uh, appointing of of uh, uh, of new members, um, you know, um, w- within these within uh, the within these leading judicial institutions, and then the general council of the of the judiciary, etc. Um, you know, you also see you, you also you know, and obviously, you know, we have seen the 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 weaponizing of the judiciary in recent years um, mm-hmm. with respect to not just what but to to, to other um, political opponents. Um, uh, within Spain, I mean, you know, um, so, so um, for instance, uh, we, um, I, I recently um, uh, interviewed um, uh, Government Minister Alberto, Alberto Garzón with um, Owen Gilmartin, who you had on the, the podcast quite recently. Yeah. Um, and the way he described, you know, the, the, so the way he described sort of the, um, the, 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 way, the, the way that the Spanish right kind of view the, the left in power is, is, um, you know, not simply of it being um, sort of uh, something undesirable, but of it being, you know, like of something of it being something much much deeper rooted, of it being like a, a sense of a, a national betrayal, or you know, of of, of almost of, of sensing a kind of a divine a divine right to rule. Um, I mean, you know, I suppose how you know, just just the the, the fact alone that um, this so called patriotic brigade has gone to such lengths to. Uh, to, you know, to spy on 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 politicians and business leaders and and, and journalists and other 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 figures, uh, um, other public figures, um, all with all with the intent seemingly of um, discrediting political opponents, and then obviously um, now obviously uh, in, in terms of in light of this week's um, story, obviously attempting to uh, eat away at the credibility or the legitimacy of the government, it is it is quite extraordinary, and it does. It does point to, um, to as I say, a, a kind of a, a, a certain worldview or a certain attitude. Um, you know, they 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 just they simply can't countenance um, a party like Podemos. Never mind the PSOE, but a party like Podemos, as you know, um, and obviously, you know, this government is also reliant on uh, on regional regional independence parties. Mm-hmm. Parties, um, you know. Um, the, to, to them to, to the Spanish right this is just something that's completely um not just simply undesirable but something that you know um as I say is is perceived as a as a 
as a betrayal to the nation. And I mean, I think, you know, there was even, um, I think there was even um, uh, one, of, one of the members um, of the so-called Patriotic Brigade that kind of, because uh, a number of them have been have been sitting in the dock this year um, for a number of different cases. One, um, I think, was uh, giving evidence this summer um, for his role in uh, a, he was a former police commissioner in a, um, a case involving the former Catalan regional premier, Jordi Pujol. Um, you know, I think I, I think I think one one of the recent testimonies um, of a member of the Patriotic Brigade basically said that you know we we we, um, we did. He basically said that you know it, it, within the role, you know, we we did some hair raising things, but it was all it was all for the kind of it was all for the good of the country. It was all for the greater good. It was all for the you know for the good of Spain. And I think Jesus. I think I think I think the two. Although, as I say, I don't think the two cases are um causally linked i do think they point to a certain um a certain attitude or a certain worldview mm. uh, on the part of the spanish rice um in particular yeah no it does it definitely sounds like it um thank you very much for joining me tommy thanks very much alan cheers thanks tommy for coming on the sobremesa podcast hopefully tommy will be back in the future if you want to read any of the articles that tommy has written um his interview with Alberto Garzón, uh, conducted with fellow political journalist Owen Gilmartin, who's also been on the Silver Mess podcast, then you can find the links on my website. You can also find another article by them about the wider case in general, uh, where this Dina case come from. It makes for very interesting reading. It's very in, uh, very in-depth um, and informative and a good read. Next week, I will have Mary Bellon. Uh, I will be interviewing her about her time in London uh, and about the time in general when all these medical professionals were leaving Spain to go and work in countries such as the UK, France and Germany. We'll also be talking about how to get them back to the country and I will be explaining why the Doctors' Union are currently considering a nationwide strike. So make sure you come back for that episode. Please remember to share and subscribe this podcast with your friends and family that you think might be interested. We are gaining about 25 listeners a week, so it's great to see we're growing. Uh, I want to continue to grow. And if you want to be part of that, you feel like you could contribute towards the podcast, then drop us an email. We now have an email address, which is the.sobremesa.podcast at gmail.com. Welcome all feedback, positive and negative. No death threats, please. Um, but also, if you feel like you could contribute in some way, um, if you want to conduct an interview yourself and want me to post it on the podcast, um, anything is possible. But please just get in contact with an idea. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you very much for listening and have a great week. Mm-hmm.